0: Sister Apostle Paul. <laughs> Everybody calls my father brother elder. And so they just call me Apostle Paul. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If I can live up to about half of what he done, I'll just be satisfied with that. Well, I won't be s- If the Lord wants me to do more than that, I won't be satisfied with that, but I tell you, I think we need some more Apostle Pauls, Apostle Peters, Apostle Johns, Dorcas's and Lydia's, Rachel's, Ruth's, hallelujah. You want to come to the piano? On your way up, you can, no, just come right up by the platform and you can stop here and testify. Hallelujah. I thank God for a good wife. And I often tell people everywhere I go, I got the best. I don't want no argument out of the rest of you. I said, I got the best. <laughs> Hallelujah! How many of you? Well, I won't ask that question. I won't. I won't make you raise your hand. But how do you? How many of you men feel that way? Amen. Hallelujah! Thank God for good women. Lord bless the town. There's a scripture in Psalms tonight that's my testimony. It says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. And that's what we're here tonight to do is to lift up Him, and I want the God of my salvation to be exalted tonight. Well, I've had kind of a different... job this week i've been teaching or trying to and uh, we had a good time at youth camp amen? amen and i tell you what those of you that missed youth camp you missed some good preaching that brother months that brother huntley just flat out preached to us young people and you know what If you were an older saint and you were there, he preached to you too. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's right. He preached to us preachers too. I tell you what, Friday night, the Lord come upon me and I just felt, I just felt like I was lost and that I needed a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, I cherish those moments. We get... We get so caught up in the things that we do and we're so caught up in the prestige of our of our calling and you say well i'm not called to preach no but god called you to do something he didn't call you to be a bench warmer he called you to do something and we get so caught up in our self-righteousness but i tell you i cherish those moments when the lord just moves on me and makes me feel like i need to repent And just get the Holy Ghost all over again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish those times would come more often. Maybe I don't seek them enough. Maybe we don't seek them enough. But I tell you, I enjoy those moments when the renewing power of the Holy Ghost comes upon me. Hallelujah. And if you were there, you heard some tremendous preaching. We want to say that we appreciate again tonight being back and... Hutchinson it's always good to be home I'm kinda feeling a paradox of feelings tonight I'm glad to be home but yet I'm biting at the bits to be out (laughs) but we love Hutchinson I think this is a beautiful city and I believe that God has tremendous revival for this city I really believe that with all of my heart. And uh, I, it's always special. I want this church to know that I pray for you every day. Hallelujah. I pray for brother and sister elder every day. I believe we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And if you're weak, it's because you're not in Christ. Because in Him, the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. And another place in Psalms, it says that the Lord is my rock and my strong fortress. Psalms 27 says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, when the wicked, even mine enemies, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, though war should rise against me, this one thing will I be confident to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He shall set me upon a rock. Amen. Hallelujah. I just feel like he's worthy of a little bit of praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a friend. We have in Jesus walked. since Sins and griefs he bears walked a privilege to care. everything to God in prayer oh oh what peace we often, we often forfeit. Oh, what need, let's pain we bear, and it's all because it's all because we do. God carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, have we trials and temptations Oh, yes, we do. And is there trouble anywhere? Oh, yes, there is. Oh, we, we should never be discouraged. Oh, no, we shouldn't. Oh, just take, take it to the Lord in prayer. Listen to him now. Oh, can, can we find a friend so faithful? Ooh. Our sorrows he will share. Listen. Oh, Jesus. He knows our every weakness. All you have to do is take it to the Lord in prayer oh, oh Some of you are weak and heavy laid Oh You are come back Oh with the load of care you are pray sure savior you're still a refuge. i believe i'll just take take it to the lord in prayer My friends despise for safety just take it to the Lord in prayer Whoa. shield and take thee. All you have to do is take it to the Lord in prayer. Come on, sing it with me. Oh, what what a friend we have your friend tonight and Jesus all our sins and grief he'll bear oh it's such a privilege what a privilege Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, what peace we often, we often, we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear and there's only one reason it's all because it's just because we do not care we everything everything to God in prayer and it's all just because we don't carry everything to god in prayer just one reason why we have so much trouble it's because uh, oh we don't carry everything to god in prayer Let's worship him, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we fight battles that God never wanted us to fight. We face trials that God never wanted us to face just because we don't carry everything. Brother Elder, all I did was stub my toe. Take it to God in prayer. Oh, that's so ridiculous. Hey, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 11. I'm feeling several different directions in the Lord tonight. And I will probably be preaching more to me And I will to you. But you just listen closely because the Lord may have something for you too. Praise God. I want to tell you this gospel is real. Words are cheap, people come and they go. The things they say will be forgotten in a moment's notice. Probably the majority of words that I say tonight will never register on the majority of our minds tonight. But if I can get in the power of the Holy Ghost, I have confidence in His Spirit that there will be some things that can be revealed to our spirit. There are some things in the kingdom of God that we'll never have the ability to understand through human in- intelligence. We don't. We don't have the vocabulary to describe the things that God wants us to have. The apostle Paul said in the book of. Corinthians. We see through a glass darkly. We only know in part. But then we shall know even as we are known. I think the book of Romans it is tells us that I hath not seen. Neither hath ear he heard neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. And we like to get up and testify, and we say, oh, heaven's such a beautiful place. And I hath not seen what God has prepared for us up there. And ear hath not heard what God hath in store for us up there. But I want to tell you, the Lord wants us to have those things down here Read the context of that scripture, hallelujah. He was talking of spiritual enlightenment in that scripture. And so with the help of the Lord, I wanna try to preach what's on my heart tonight. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number seven. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Whether you recognize it or not, the Lord Jesus Christ just revealed himself to the congregation that was standing right there. That was Emmanuel that said, I am he to them people right there. And John testified of me. And they did not recognize him. Verily I say unto you among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And what he's saying here is John was the greatest prophet there ever was. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, John doesn't hold a candle to what you have. When you get in the kingdom, you're so much more greater than the prophets could have ever been because they never experienced the Holy Ghost like you experienced the Holy Ghost. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. Verse number sixteen. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened to children sitting in the market and calling unto their fellows and saying, we piped unto you, and ye have not danced. And then we mourned, and ye have not lamented. For John came eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil. And the son of man, he came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, and a wine and a friend of the publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children." And he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Notice this scripture. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, his headquarters, and thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. I want us to raise our hands and ask God to deal with our hearts tonight. Lord God, we need you, Lord. We need you, oh God. 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 God. Hallelujah. praise God you may be seated and if I were to entitle this tonight I want to preach on the corridors of opportunities past the corridors of opportunities past I Appreciate the message that Brother Elder preached on prophecy this morning. I believe in prophecy. <laughs> I don't understand a whole lot about prophecy. And I go here and I hear this man's view of it. And I go here and I hear this man's view of it. And I go over here and I hear these. And uh, it could be very easy, as Brother Elder taught this morning. To say well good grief what's the use to have it anyway nobody nobody really knows what's going on but I I I think prophecy is vital necessary important prophecy is the projection of the church hallelujah and you can if you are spiritual you can see into the future you say oh I don't believe that well you need to read the book of Daniel and read about a man that saw thousands of years ahead of his time, and his prophecies are coming to fulfillment today. And the Lord will speak to you, and uh, he will deal with you. But Brother Elder read a scripture this morning that stuck in my mind. God has been dealing with me lately about the spiritual warfare that we battle we are so carnal anymore, every one of us. I mean the church is, and, and I think that we are living in a greater age for the church than we've ever lived before. I think this is a time for the church to shine. You say, Brother Elder, do you believe in end time revival? You just better believe I do. I believe the Bible says in the last day saith the Lord, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. But I believe in end time revival a little different than most folks. Revival is not the gathering of people into the church. That's not revival. There are three times that the word revive, and please could you take the children out if they carry on. I want to preach tonight without any interruptions, and I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying that to offend anybody, I'm just saying I'm gonna preach with liberty tonight. Hallelujah. But there are three times in the Bible, and there could be more, there are three that I've looked up. The word revival is never mentioned in the Bible. The word revive and reviving is mentioned in the Bible. And every time that you find it mentioned in the Bible, it speaks directly to the children of Israel. Revival is not for the world, revival is for the church. Revival is for the church. Jesus said you are a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hid. I'm telling you people getting the Holy Ghost is not revival. People talking in tongues is not revival. That's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Revival is the church. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I be their God and they shall be my people. People getting the Holy Ghost is the result of revival. I want to tell you something, you get a church that's full of revival, you can't help but people getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when they're not getting the Holy Ghost, then the church needs a revival. Brother Elder passed by lightly upon a scripture this morning that God opened my eyes to. And I'm telling you, there is a a hunger that's welled up in my heart in the past few weeks, like I've never had before, to find the real kingdom of God. And I, I believe I have the Holy Ghost, but I wanna tell you something, I wanna go deeper in God. And there's more to the Holy Ghost than just talking in tongues. But you gotta talk in tongues to have the Holy Ghost. You don't get the Holy Ghost without talking in tongues. But on the other hand, there's more at the Holy Ghost than talking in tongues. The old timers, and I'm not here to indict anything, but from what I can read about history, they had a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and they done it in in a manner, so to speak, of with a method of fear, and and if. If fear of work, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The first thing you got to do is learn how to fear God. And if you don't fear God, you don't have the ability to be saved. But they would preach prophecy and hell and damnation. And I believe every bit of it. I believe if you're living in fornication and adultery, that you're not saved, friend. If you're shacking up with somebody, then you're not saved. There's something wrong with your Holy Ghost. If you can live in that kind of environment, in the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost don't talk to you, friend. I'm telling you, people are having trouble. They got spirits, but they ain't got the right spirit. The Bible said when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. If you're smoking cigarettes and talking in tongues, there's something wrong with your Holy Ghost. If you're drinking alcohol and talking in tongues, you need to go back to the altar and get the real Holy Ghost. If you're lying and stealing and cheating and cussing, you need to get the real Holy Ghost. But the Lord has put honor in my heart to search out, and we look at characters in the Bible, and I was reading in the book of Psalms last night. God opened my eyes to the spiritual warfare that's going on. The Apostle Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And we, you know, we think in our mentality that these are things that we handle through our mentality. And through our intelligence, and to a certain extent that is true. There is a war going on between two forces in the earth, uh, the force of evil and the force of good. Uh, the good is led by God himself, uh, and the evil is led by the devil himself, uh, and the battleground for this battle is your mind. Uh, that's where the battle's going on at. And your emotions. Your thought patterns, they want to control these. But the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, that I will put enmity between thy seed and your seed. Now when did the devil ever have a baby? He don't have any seed. But that's what the was said. I will put enmity between you and him. What was he talking about? In the garden, there was complete liberty. There was not the mental pressure that you and I feel to do right or wrong. There was not the pressure to decide what was right or wrong. In the garden they did not even have the ability to know the difference between the right and the wrong because they were in the dispensation of innocence. They did not know what was right and they did not know what was wrong. In the garden, they were in complete obedience obedience with God, and that is the difference between those that are supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost and those that claim that they got the Holy Ghost uh, and they're not. Uh, Though they, Adam and Eve, thought that in the garden that the the test that God was testing them with was the test of intelligence of how much they knew. Satan always uses knowledge there's something about a man that he seeks to know, you know what that something is? That's the nature of God, because the Bible says that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing, and in the image of God created he man. And because God is all-knowing, man in his image seeks to know everything, because God made him like him. I know I'm going deep, but I hope you're mature enough to understand what I'm saying tonight. And if you're not, you need to pray till you are. But there was a battle that was going on in the garden. Adam and Eve thought it was the test of knowledge. They thought it was how much that they could know. And Satan used it. If you eat of the tree of knowledge, ye shall be like the most high God, and ye shall know the difference between good and evil. And they thought that was the test. And they said, hey, here is an easy way to pass the test. I know the easier it is, but that's not what the wise man said. The book of Proverbs says that there's much sorrow in learning, and he said everything that I learned was vanity and vexation to my spirit. They sought to know how did God get his power? Where did God get his wisdom? Did you know that Romans the thirteen chapter says that all power comes from God? Did you know that the power that the devil has come from God? You say, okay, then God invented evil, uh-uh. No, God gave power out proportionately. I wish I hadn't even got on that because that's a whole different message. But the power that the devil has come from God. God made us free moral agents. That means we have the ability to do with that power that God gave us whatever that we want to do. But you just remember one thing before you go to feeling big-headed. Uh, the Bible says that every transgression uh, and every disobedience uh, shall be uh, rewarded uh, with, that they shall, they shall be recompensed with the reward. Uh, if you use the power that God gave you wrong, uh, then you shall be rewarded uh, in an eternity of a lake of fire. Uh, and that That's exactly what happened to Satan. God didn't take his power away from him. But you're gonna be judged according to how you used that power. But Adam and Eve, they thought that the power was in the knowledge. They sought for it, and Satan, he played upon that intelligence until finally Eve reached out And pulled the fruit, everybody said it was an apple. I don't know what it was. But whatever it was, when she took a bite of it, the Bible said she knew the difference between good and evil. And she understood things that she was not supposed to understand. And she ran to Adam and she said, Here, take a bite of this. You've never seen so many things before. It's a whole new experience that I've never experienced before and Adam took a bite, and all that he felt was guilt. Boom, he knew the difference between right and wrong, and what happened is, in that moment, God established the conscience, the dispensation conscience my God I've sinned against you Lord they thought that the test was the test of knowledge but the highest test of God is the test of obedience So, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. But you don't know what I'm going through, brother elder. You don't know my situation. My God, if you could see in the spiritual world, God does not require of you to decide what is right or what is wrong. God requires out of you to obey his scripture And if you disobey, then you are out of the will of God. It's not up to you to decide who's right or wrong. And I'm telling you, the church is guilty of this. They look down their big self-righteous nose at sinners. And they say, well, they're sinners. They're adulterers. They're fornicators. I'm telling you, the church's business is not to condemn the world. The church's business is to preach the gospel. God will decide who's right and wrong. You say, Brother Elder, that person died. Did they go to hell? I'm telling you, you're playing around with God's business you better get your nose out of God's business and get it back in to living in the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is innocence the Holy Ghost is peace the Holy Ghost is joy the Holy Ghost is righteousness but in that moment there came a battle for man we often say that We are flesh and in this flesh there is spirit. But that's the wrong way to say that. The way that you say that is we are spirit and enshrouding this spirit is flesh. The book of Proverbs says the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Oh, what's that mean by the elder? I might preach a while tonight. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. What does that mean? This flesh puts on airs. I'm cool, man. Don't mess with me, Jack. Hey, mug. Don't play around with me, man. Or we could be the Holy Joe. come to church because everybody else is doing it. We're out there, whoa. All right, come on. Whoa. The flesh has got everybody fooled. We can talk, come on, bro. and everybody is so proud of our esoteric knowledge. I want to tell you the only esoteric knowledge there is is in the power of the Holy Ghost. Esoteric just simply means that it's knowledge that nobody else knows about. That only you are able to, only you are the one that knows about it. You know, we are super spiritual. We are the ones that always give out the tongues and the interpretation. We are the ones that go to our little corners and tell somebody, the Holy Ghost spoke to me yesterday. You know, I don't want to be so light saying, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Right. Come on. I wanna make sure it's the Holy Ghost that talks to me before I just pop off at the mouth and say the Holy Ghost spoke to me. You say, well, you gotta have faith. I know you gotta have faith, but I wanna tell you, there's a whole lot more to faith than this charismatic faith that's going on. And our flesh puts on the air. Oh, we're in the prayer room. I've seen people that have prayed for 30 years and lose out with God. How on earth does it happen? I wanna tell you they were not really praying. You can pray an hour a day, every day for 30 years and never pray one time. You've got to catch the essence of prayer. Prayer is communication between you and God. And if you're just praying for obligation, and if you're just praying out of self-discipline, it's good that you self-discipline yourself. You got to. And if you're just praying because that's your Christian requirement, uh, that's the wrong reason to pray, friend. Uh, The reason to pray is communicating with God. Uh, Communicating with God. Uh, And if you haven't talked to God that day, then you haven't prayed. And that's why you see people that seem like they are super spiritual. They lose out with God overnight. I'm telling you, there's peer pressure in the Pentecostal church like there is anywhere else. They bend you to be like they are. There's Pentecostal prejudices. You shout because everybody else is shouting. You run the aisle because everybody else is running the aisle. The Holy Ghost don't have anything to do with it. You clap your hands because everybody else claps their hands. You show up in church because you don't want the preacher to call you and say, hey, where you been? I'm telling you, there is a battle that's going on. There is a battle that's going on. It is a spiritual battle when Adam and Eve fell. I'm telling you that they no longer were the innocent people that they were supposed to have been in the garden. They were people that were at the mercy of the spirit of this world. There was within them the image of God. It had been there. He created it in them. And so it tore at them. One side of them wanted to do right, and the other side wanted to do wrong. I will put enmity between thy seed and your seed. What's the image of, what is the, what is the seed of of, of, of Mary or, or of Eve? It's the seed of God. It's the image of God. What is the seed of the devil? It's the flesh that fell, the corruptible flesh that always Draws you that always woos you. Come on, there's filth out here, there's degradation, the flesh has failed, and yet there is the spirit of a man, which is the candle of God that lights the heart of a man and shows God what that man really is. The man says. Oh, I'm good on the outside. And he shows everybody else. But his spirit shows God what he really is. His spirit shows God what that man really is. He may have the preacher full. He may have the saints full. He may have his children and his wife full. But the spirit of a man is the candle of God. And if that spirit has not been revolutionized by the power of the Holy Ghost. that's why they can stay in the church for years and nobody knows that they're like that but your spirit don't lie to you friend you're a spiritual being one of these days it'll catch up with you one of these days the light will come on and God will say aha that's what you really are there is a war that goes on It is in the mind, the mind seeks to know why. Why do I have to live this way, God? Give me an answer for this, God. Why do I have to live holy like this? I want to tell you, there is no compromise. Why do I have to live this way? Why do I have to live holy like this? Why do I have to abstain from the filthy lusts of this flesh? And I'm not only talking about immoral lust, although I am talking about that, I'm talking about the lust of the flesh, period the love for money, the love for prestige, the love for popularity, the love for fame, the love for all of the things of the world, the love for the carnality of the world, the love for the frivolous things of the world, the light things of the world. If you go around laughing and carrying on all the time, then I'm telling you, you're a carnal person. I believe in laughing. I like to have a good time. I like to tell jokes, but I wanna tell you, there's a time, there is a time to shut your mouth and to sit down. And to quit carrying on. And to listen a while and say, God, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you have for me today? There's a battle that's going on. The carnality of this flesh. And I want to tell you, your flesh is of the devil. That's what fell in the garden. It belongs to him. It bowed to him in the garden. It gave in to him. Your flesh is of the devil. And your mind is part of the carnality that belongs to the world today. That's why you see everybody, if you don't have the Holy Ghost it won't be long, you'll be going their way. That's why you've seen Christian music go the way of the world because without the regenerate power of the Holy Ghost, uh, it'll all eventually wind up in the same place Uh, and you can say, well, uh, I believe I'm saved all you want to Uh, unless you've been regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. uh, You're just going to conform to the ways of the world. Uh, You're going to conform to the peer pressure of the world. Uh, you're just going to follow right in their footsteps. Amen. The flesh is of the devil. Romans the 8 chapter tells us that the carnal of mind is enmity with God. It hates the things of God. You seek to know why that God tells you to live this way, when really, really, if you were full of the Holy Ghost, you would just simply obey the Word of God. It often amazed me when I was younger to watch young people come in off the streets and live for God with total abandon and zeal in a sold out manner and I was trying to be in with the in crowd and I would stand around with my arms folded looking at them what do they got that I ain't got what's happened to them that hadn't happened to me I got the Holy Ghost and I'm not throwing that away I talked in tongues, and I'm not feeling that way. You know what? People that are seeking the Holy Ghost aren't really seeking the Holy Ghost. They're seeking tongues. And I want to tell you, that you seek tongues, that's all you get it's tongues. You worship God. He that cometh to God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. When He, the spirit of truth, has come, the door opens, and you begin to talk in tongues because the spirit of truth has come. You don't seek tongues, you look for Jesus. You don't you don't look for tongues, you look for the tongue giver. You worship the tongue giver. When he the spirit of truth has come, he'll give it to you. Don't look for the blessing; look for the blesser. Don't look for the healing; look for the healer. Hallelujah! 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 If you're studying your Bible, every one that got their healing and their forgiveness from God. to come to Jesus first they had to come to Jesus first they had to get to the healer first before they got their healing before they ever got their forgiveness they had to find the forgiver first hallelujah 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 I'm telling you, there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. There is a spiritual battle. It will weigh you down with with simple, minute things that don't have anything to do with serving God. But yet, the devil will blow them up and make them think that they're so big that that's the only way. Yeah get in these things uh, and you say well this is my philosophy Uh, and no you're wrong buddy Uh, this is the way the Bible is Uh, and no no that's not the way the Bible is Uh, this is the way the Bible is and no that's not what my preacher said Uh, my preacher said this is the way the Bible is Uh, and you get caught up uh, in human philosophy uh, and you get caught up uh, in Christian theology uh, and you get caught up uh, in Pentecostal prejudice uh, and one guy believes that post-tribulation, and the next guy believes pre-tribulation, and the other guy believes mid-tribulation, and you're sitting around fighting and fussing uh, while the kingdom of God lays there, dormant. you are not spiritual, you are carnal, why don't you understand uh, that there are spirits uh, that have a hold of you, uh, and if you would pray, uh, I mean if you would pray. You would know the difference if you would get in the Holy Ghost. You would fly above that simple junk like an eagle above the chicken coop. You wouldn't be down there scratching around and pecking on a brother and putting down a sister and hating this guy and doing this to that guy. You would be in the spirit and you'd be seeing the things of God. You'd be flowing in the spirit of God. That's exactly what was happening here. Some were saying, well, is John the Baptist a prophet? No, he can't be, the king put him in prison. And anyway, he was too uncouth. I'm telling you, that guy, didn't have an education. Hey, that's a lie. He spent 40 years out in the wilderness of Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody said he was a sober man. He was a solid man. He never cracked a smile and I tell you, you'd probably be that way too if you got your training where he was. He's out there sinned judgment of God on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and he saw the black hills uh, and the burnt shrubs uh, that God destroyed the immorality and you'd probably be as sober and sincere and, and just as, uh, as diligent in your, in your task to work for God as he was. Amen. Out there he's not, he's not educated he had 40 years in the, in the Bible school of God. 40 years it wasn't what man said it was what god said out there god has dealt with me about this any man that you see that god used mightily in this word was tried tremendously no telling how many lonely hours day after day John the Baptist sat out there in a little cave somewhere, camel skins, eating locusts and honey, listening to the voice of God. John forfeited the right of society. I'm gonna preach till I get done tonight, so if you're bored, if you're, if you're backslid, pop your sleeping pill. Sit out there, lonely. He couldn't say, well, I think I'll call John up and go swimming this evening. Hey, listen to this scripture. Listen to this scripture. Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. We got a bunch of foolish people in the church. Through desire, man will separate himself. He'll seek the face of God. He'll eliminate a leader of God is a lonely man. He walks with God and with God only. A leader may have friends and all of a sudden God will give them a message and he'll step to the pulpit and look them right in the eye and preach things. And because of their human nature, they'll get offended and walk out and never come back. The call separates you. But a fool, all he seeks to know is his own heart. He likes to tell his little joke and if nobody's listening, he'll tell it over and over until they're listening. A fool, he goes to the same places every night. You know why? He's establishing his own heart. He's secure in what he knows. He don't want to know anything else. All he wants to know is what he knows. He's not hungry for the real truth. He just has human curiosity, and there's a difference between spiritual seeking and human curiosity. Human curiosity seeks to fulfill the human ego. See, I told you it was that way. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you it was that way? I told you, I told you. I was right, I was right. That's not hunger. That's foolishness. That's egotism but a spiritual hunger seeks to know the things of God. John sat out there, I'm sure he got lonely. He probably got hungry, I'd get tired of locusts. They'd get kind of runny after a while. I'd like to have a steak. There wasn't no steaks out there. But he drove himself. He drove himself, I've got to know, listen, God called him to be the forerunner of God himself coming to man, and he wasn't going to use no pipsqueak fool that was proud of his little prejudices and his little ideas, he had to have a man that would look for truth, that had a desire to know the kingdom of God he couldn't have a man with ego because he had to have a man that would give up his church overnight and if he had found a man with an ego he would have said well them are my saints bless God you're sheep stealing but Jesus took John the Baptist's whole church in one night and John said hey I am not the one he is the one I am not the one he is the one I'm telling you we're not building little kingdoms we're in this for the kingdom of God we gotta get some spiritual hunger Jesus before his ministry came into fruition became an example to us and the Bible said that he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted I don't know all there is to fasting, I don't even know if I know how to fast. I know I need to do it more. But God has laid upon my heart a long fast. And I haven't started yet, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I just hadn't had the courage yet. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Elder? I wanna tell you, I believe that God, The Bible says that he was tempted in all manners such as we were. It was in the moment of fasting that the spirits of lust come upon him so great. And he was a young man, and it drove him. And the Satan would paint pictures in his mind and would drive him. He was not a married man, and he would wrestle. And fight. He was weak in the flesh. And when you're weak in the flesh, you don't think right. He wasn't eating right. And his mentality, he fought with right and with wrong. And Satan come and said, Look, and we are so carnal. We think that we that he took him upon a pinnacle. I'm telling you, he took him into the spirit world and said, Look, I'll set you up. I've already got it fixed up. Look at these prostitute houses, look at these whore houses. Look at these pimps. Look at these drug addicts. Man, you've never known power till you've driven men to their knees like that. Well, I've taken generals and drove them into those prostitute houses before. They've had the discipline to conquer worlds, but they don't have the discipline to conquer their own body. Look at the power that you can have, Jesus. Look at this. And there in the flesh, he fought with lust. You say, I'm just going to go on a fast. I hope you know what you're doing. I <laughs> I hope you know what you're doing when God calls people he tries them before he ever uses them Ooh, he drove him to the wilderness there he fought with money there he fought with bitterness hey it was in the wilderness that Satan opened the panorama and showed Jesus Golgotha and Jesus could have got bitter there goes Peter my old man that I've called there he goes leaving me he could have got bitter and fell and say well human me and i let you down. That's my presbyter. Uh, and he didn't act right. Uh, and that's my superintendent. Uh, and he didn't do right. Uh, why, he backslid. Uh, and now uh, this is a bunch of fake. Uh, and this isn't really real. Uh, and if healing was really the real thing, uh, how come I'm not seeing any of it? Uh, and if Holy Ghost was really real, uh, how come they're going back to smoking marijuana? Uh, and all that stuff, I'm telling you, there's temptation. Uh, there's temptation. Uh, there's crying There's tribulation before God will ever use a man. The Apostle Paul was lost in the wilderness for three years. Nobody knew where he went. There he fasted. There he prayed he come out and he said I knew of a man once speaking of himself in the third person that was caught up into the third heaven my God I look at my own little impunities and say God I am so shallow I am so shallow I am so carnal the neighbors have the ability to get to me. My own mom and dad get on my nerves sometimes. My own wife sometimes, I'll hear her get the best of my attitude. I let petty little circumstances drive me out of the will of God. Jesus said there was not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. He spoke taint, ain't, tisn't, ewins, weyins. He didn't have a vocabulary, but there was something that John the Baptist had that he drew tremendous multitudes, and the lawyers, and the doctors, and everybody would come, to be baptized of John. There was such an intensity in his ministry. There was no let down. We often use this term, well I need to get away so I can let my hair down. John never got away. He never let his hair down. I need a vacation. He never got a vacation. He got one. It was in the dungeons of Herod. And yet here these people so lightly saying, Well, is he really a prophet? And Jesus said, I tell you, there's not been a greater prophet than John. What went you out into the wilderness to see? Did you go see a fancy powder puff preacher? Preach you a little 30-minute sermon, tickle your little ears, make you go home, swing from the chandeliers. Is that what you want? Just follow the whim of the crowd. Everybody's doing the same thing, or is there a spiritual hunger in your heart? John came to you eating nor drinking, neither eating nor drinking. And you said he had the devil. So I said, okay, you won't accept John. I'll come to you and I'll eat and drink. And he done his first miracle at a party, the wedding feast. The little children would crawl up on his lap and wipe their, that's the favorite trick of a child, wipe his little snotty nose on your shirt. And the disciples, they'd come running over there and say, get these little kids out of here. And Jesus said, oh, no. Suffer the little children to come unto me. In fact, if you want to be like, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you got to be like these children. You know what he was talking to? He was talking to people that were just like you and I. They were spoiled, rotten. They had the best preachers that money could buy. There was nobody that had prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and Moses and David. They heard the best preachers that could ever be heard. And when Jesus and John come along, they just thought they were two more prophets. They did not see the opportunity. John made the way for God himself to step into the portals of earth. And there he stood before them. And people looked at God, not another prophet, but at God, and said, Well, you're a wine-bibber. You're gladness. You sit with sinners. That wasn't a man they was talking to. It was a man, but it was God they was talking to. And Jesus became frustrated and said, what shall I do? You're You're like a bunch of little kids running around in a marketplace. Uh, And you say, we piped and you didn't dance. Uh, And we cried and you didn't mourn. Uh, What kind of preaching does it take to stir you up? Uh, Yeah, uh, he preaches hell uh, and it doesn't scare you. He comes along and preaches uh, Holy Ghost and you won't shout with him. Uh, You're so caught up in your little pettiness. Uh, You're a bunch of spiritual brats, that's what you are. Uh, You're so feasted on the things of God Uh, that you're not spiritual anymore! You don't even know what's going on! You don't even know the opportunity that is standing before you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if I'd have went and preached like this to Sodom, they'd have fell on their knees and repented. If I'd have went like this to Tyre and Sidon, they'd have fell on their knees and repented. He said, I tell you, it will be worse for you than it will ever be for Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, why is it? Uh, you come in here. Uh, you look down your big pompous self-righteous nose uh, at the homosexual and say, Well, bless God. Uh, I thank God that I'm not like him. Uh, and I just praise God because I'm not where he's at. Uh, and, oh, how could he be so perverted? Uh, and how could he be so... I want to tell you, some of you are worse. Uh, you're worse. Uh, you're worse. Uh, you're, worse uh, you're worse than the filthiest homosexual uh, that there ever was. Uh, you're worse than the filthiest prostitute uh, that ever walked the streets of Hutchinson. uh, You're worse than the worst alcoholic. Uh, You know why? Because if they had the chance uh, to feel the presence of God uh, like you're feeling in this place tonight, uh, they would repent uh, and get right with God. Uh, If they had the opportunity uh, to feel the presence of God uh, that you're feeling tonight, uh, they'd be in this order weeping. The tremendous opportunity that Jesus gave them Israelites. If they'd accepted him as Messiah, we'd be in the millennium right now, friend. You say that's not true, that is true. Well, that's not the way of Bible theology. You're still hung up on your human junk. Jesus didn't have to turn to us, friend. If Israel had have accepted Him as the Messiah that He was, you and I would be in hell tonight, and they'd be the chosen people of God. A tremendous opportunity of the Israelites. Oh, they wanted they wanted the physical kingdom of God, but if they'd accepted the spiritual kingdom of God, He'd have given them the physical kingdom. They stood right there and they watched God. I know we're not intelligent enough to think, but think, the moon is 48,000 miles away. The sun is 93 million miles away. Pluto is over one trillion miles away. To get from one side of this galaxy to the other side of this galaxy, takes over 650 light years, if I'm not mistaken. And a light year is 186,000 miles per second. That means 1,000 light just went 186,000 miles. And while I was talking, it just went several more, 186,000 miles. And it takes 650 of 186,000 miles per second to go. That's just to the end of this galaxy. And then there are trillions of galaxies, hundreds of sextillion miles away from this galaxy that we don't even know about in this universe. And God, omnipotent, all power, spoke the word, and it was. Amen. And he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a visit to that little of dust. That little speck of a speck of a speck of a speck of of dust in my galaxies and universe that I call the earth. And I'm going to go down there as a microscopic atom of an atom of a neutron of a neutron that goes beyond my comprehension. Billions of trillions of sick I'm going to make myself in the corruptible flesh that failed me And I'm gonna step onto that earth and I'm gonna get my feet filthy with their dirt And I'm gonna eat their crusty bread And I'm gonna walk with them And I'm going to spread my arms with my love and let them little peons that I made stick a spear in my side and dry the nails in my hands. And we in our egotistical attitude, we act so spiritual. Oh, we show our spirituality. Well, I'm the interpreter of all the tongues and interpretation in our church. And I tell you what, I just disagree with the elder because the Lord talks to me too. And God said, I'm gonna walk down there. We act spiritual, but we fall into adultery. And fornication sins that cannot even come in contact with the purity of Almighty God because sin is so it, it obliterates in the pureness of the holiness of God yet God made a fleshly body and was tempted with the corruptible sin and he looked at the lady of the well and he knew what she was there for and she knew what he was there for and there was a moment of weakness he could have failed but he said woman if you only ate or if you only drank of the water that i have you would never thirst again you talk about opportunity opportunity some of you the omnipotent power of god is in this building tonight and you're staring at me with that hood owl expression on your face you are so carnal you don't even know the power of god that's in this building right now you are so caught up by your own self-centeredness and your own selfish ways and your own little philosophies and your little ideas of what God is. You've got him in a box. You say this is what God is and he's nothing else. I'm telling you, you are ignorant. He is so great and his presence is in this building right now. He's here right now. He's here right now. But some of you are going to go home and you're going to go right into the house full of sin that he gave his life to forgive you of. Don't you point an accusing finger at an adulterer in the world. Don't you point an accusing finger at a homosexual in the world. God's given you the opportunity tonight I'm not a homosexual, no, but some of you are so full of jealousy and so full of bitterness and so full of carnality carnality you're concerned about where your job's going to come from you're concerned about where you're going to eat tomorrow you're concerned about uh, what you're going to wear tomorrow you're concerned about how you're going to get your car fixed tomorrow uh, and how things are going to work themselves out in your life uh, and I'm telling you God himself is standing here tonight uh, and he's saying uh, what have I got to do uh, how do I have to preach to you uh, John comes and preaches repentance uh, i come and preach love uh, And you're spoiled rotten. You won't accept any of it. I come and tell you, here I am. I'm right here to deliver you. And you say, no, I want my sin. No, I want my adultery. No, I want my fornication. No, I want my lasciviousness. No, I want my jealousy. No, I want my bitterness. No, I want my carnality. I want the things of the world. I want the pleasures of the world. I'm telling you, hell will be harder for you. will be harder for you hell will be harder for you hell will be harder for you when you go walking through the corridors of hell and you see this door where God said in 1986 on June the 8th on a Sunday night I visited Hutchinson, Kansas and I gave you an opportunity to get spiritual with me and to know me and you rejected it and June the 1st 1986 Brother Elder preached to you uh, Brother Elder, Brother Carl Elder uh, and you didn't get right Uh, in May uh, and April uh, and he's going to go back down through the corridors uh, and you're going to walk by each door uh, and there it was uh, an opportunity to see Jesus uh, an opportunity to feel God, uh, an opportunity to get right with God, uh, an opportunity to be what God wanted you to be Uh, you'll walk through the corridors of opportunities past, uh, you'll walk back over the pages of the calendar. You'll walk through the doors of the month. You'll see opportunity after opportunity that God gave you. I'm telling you hell will be hotter for you. Hell will be hotter for you. You'll live in regret, but you won't be able to change anything. Let's stand. God, give me a fear for you. Give me a fear for you, God. They say, well, you can't scare me into this altar. I wished I could. I'm going to get right down to the nitty-gritty. I sat right back over there this morning. Brother Elder closed out his message this morning. He began to talk about revival in Hutchinson. The essence, that was the essence of what he was saying. I felt a spirit of Laodicea hit me full in the face. I felt a spirit of unconcern. I felt a spirit of hypocrisy come back to me where people were saying amen, but they weren't no more concerned about revival than the man in the mood. They were no more concerned about the move of God in Hutchinson, Kansas. I have somewhat to say to thee, church. Your holiness is all right. Your worship is all right. It seems as if everything is all right. Your faithfulness is all right. Your attendance is all right. But thou has lost thy first love. Thou has lost thy burden. And you have lost your concern. search for it, find it, I come quickly, I come quickly, I will remove thy candle out of thy midst, if thou cannot find thy first love. shatala boku shatai oh god ila boku shatala Another opportunity to get right with God tonight. It's another opportunity to draw close to God tonight. Can you not shake the spirit of unconcern? Can you not shake off the spirit of Laodicea? The Bible said the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And what's wrong with some of you, you're not violent enough. Oh, you can get violent for other people. You get violent in your calisthenics of worship, but I'm talking about violence and spirit, to stick with it until the victory comes through. We need some intercessors tonight. 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 Where's your first love at? Where's your first love at? Where's your concern for the kingdom of God?